get started. I had this uh, had a question, and I'll be off <coughs> here. Pretty late, actually, because. All right. I'll be off cam a few minutes. Okay. Off. Eventually, it's coming back, but. That's fine. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, the question is, and we we can work on this. We do not have to jump into it like there's a big discussion. So I'm putting it as a kind of like a rhetorical question. In Exodus 12:38, that's in the parsha, right? It says. You can, I can read it, I guess. Um, it says also, well, in the Hebrew, it says, and, all, and likewise, are also a a bunch of mixed. Mixed multitude. Yes, a mixed multitude went up with them and flocks and herds. And oh, yeah. <laughs> Were were you trying to mimic the sound of I the cow right now? No, Is that what I that think, was? No, I wonder was that Yappa doing that? Yeah, Yappa. I guess, I guess <laughs> I thought it was Carrie. <laughs> She's sitting in a chair with me and she decided to grunt. Sounded <laughs> <laughs> like a fart. <laughs> That's great material Sorry. for the podcast there. <laughs> right. Yeah, so this uh, actually was she, one of the things I I had also noticed and was thinking about bringing up. Oh, the the er, well, this is called the Erev Rav. That's what it is in Hebrew. It's a a mixture, a multitude of mixture, or something like that. It's translated mixed multitude. Mm. What so is a mixed be, multitude? Sorry, go on. What does that mean? Well, that's what we're going to, that's the rhetorical question. We don't have to jump into it too much right now. I just wanted to put that out here as a question to work on in the background. Um, who is this? Who is this mixed multitude? So I was, uh, <clears throat> I was going to ask if you thought that meant essentially like Egyptians, a portion of them decided to follow B'nai Israel in following after Adonai. Yeah, that's that is actually a really good um, thought, meaning that's what that I is what I yeah, that's what I think. It's interesting how it's worded in this. Hmm. Um, because we talk about the Spanish, it, the translation there says the grand multitude de toda clase. So it's a big multitude of every class of people. That's what that's how they translated it, which is kind of interesting. Hmm. It's different. Not they don't call it a mixed multitude. They call it a big multitude of every kind of person. <laughs> or a, in other words, a diverse company of people. That's what the Spanish does with it. Um, the Orthodox teach this. These were there's a whole midrash on this, and um, the midrash says that these are people who were not 
really faithful to Hashem, but and they were not really part of the Bnei Israel, and became later, you know, a source of bad trouble. That's the Midrash. I don't, I don't know that I believe that Midrash. I see. That's because the, the approach, <laughs> the approach you you took, which was, well, we've seen. Um, let's see. What have we seen? We have seen sir, uh, staff turned into a, a snake. reptile. Reptile. We have seen <laughs> blood. We have seen. <clears throat> frogs we've seen lice we've seen some kind of flies or swarms of animals we've seen we have that whole list right uh let me find that real quick <clears throat> we've seen hail Yes, we saw the uh, cattle pestilence, the boils, the shechinim, the then the hail, the locusts, and the darkness, and the thing with the firstborn. Uh, we're ready to leave Egypt with the Bene Israel. That was your approach. Actually, it <coughs> makes a lot of sense in context here. So I anyway, think I might have. Yeah. Sorry, go on. It's a controversial topic. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, very, it's really controversial as to who this is because the Orthodox <clears throat> Jewish approach really um, leans over towards that. Well, these were these were non-Jews who wanted to go out, but they were not committed to the Torah or to Hashem, and they became a trouble, a source of great trouble. Ultimately, that's why the um, it was the heir of Rav that caused the golden calf. Huh. Teach. It is officially the teaching. Uh, that's kind of hmm. what? What's the word? <clears throat> a little bit offensive, really, to 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 generalize, to marginalize everybody who isn't Jewish in that manner. But that's what they do. Yeah. The I I see that. Instead of, viewing, instead of viewing it as these people were ready to change their affiliation of from you know Egypt deities to the real true Elohim, instead of viewing that in a positive light, it actually looks at it as this is a big negative weight Which or anchor. Which is so weird because <laughs> in the law. Which I guess they don't have yet at this point. It does say if there's a stranger among you, like they can come in and join, yeah. Yeah, right. It does seem to contravene the, the idea of compassion to a stranger, right? It mm -hmm. does. It does seem to contradict that. I don't know that when they teach this stuff in the shul and in the classes, I don't know if they think it through on the extent of you know what the true extent of what they're saying really means is the ramifications i don't right they don't right 
Yeah. They don't follow it through to the logical conclusion of what that would indicate. The the connection is <coughs> this error. I brought this up because this error from ultimately led to the Cheta Egel, the Cheta Egel, the sin of the the calf, mm -hmm. the golden. It was the heir of Rav who was requesting our own to make the idol. That's the way they teach it. I've heard it multiple times, different lessons. It's probably in a Rashi somewhere. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. <clears throat> so this stuff, this is a whole, it's a whole tangent. Um, of you know what is the how do the um how does judaism and orthodox in particular view and how do they look look at non-jews right that's a whole topic and mm -hmm. they, need, they need some updating i will say it that way <laughs> they need some <laughs> updating because makes sense because and I don't want to get into that discussion right now, but I've had very direct conversations, you know. With the Orthodox uh, community? Yes. Yeah, with individual Jewish people. <coughs> and one of the points that I, you know, try to tell him, and it was up there, is that you know that certain things in, in you know, like, you know that anybody who wants to turn to the God of Abraham, a true God. So you call him Ben Noach, right? Uh, ben Noach. You, yeah, child of Noah. Right. That's, a, that's, a, that's like a righteous non-Jew gets the elevated, you know, status of a Ben Noach. Ben Noach. But they call him Noachide. Noachide, right? So they do, you get some level of respect out of that. Well, and I... So using that phrase, using that terminology, I pointed out that here in, you take all of Kenton County, Boone County, Campbell County, all, anybody who wants to be a Ben Noach, they want to be a Noachite and they want to live according to the, you know, not, a, a not, not being an idolater. You're, you know that the things that are, the only thing that is going to be out there that people know about are Christian churches. And they have... You know the symbol on the top of the church, and you know all the paganism. You know the stuff is a problem. You know about the yeah. I, this is me telling the Jewish people. You people know that it's the wrong day, for example, <laughs> and mm -hmm. the symbols are a problem, and the December twenty-fifth is a problem, and the adoration of Easter is a problem. In other words, you all know this. So as a result, why don't you have some kind of outpost, you know, like a, it could be a simple center of, you know, the way of Abraham, <laughs> Abrahamic faith outpost, right? But why don't you yeah. have something like that out in, in, in <clears throat> Maine, like a shopping inner center, put a menorah up in the window and a Mogan David, you know, a star and put some Torah scroll <laughs> accoutrements <laughs> like <laughs> decor you know some kind of motif of 
then he break away, right? How come you don't do that? You, because for just for the chance, some some Christian, some Sunday church Christian would see that and become interested in this way. Anyway, seems logical, doesn't it? I mean, totally. I. Why don't you maintain, meaning you, the Orthodox, you and your synagogue, why don't you have some kind of outpost? Because I told him not one single, there's not a single synagogue in all of Kenton County. You have all these people in Covington. What is that up there? And Campbell County, right? Yeah. Highland Heights, (coughs) Fort, Fort Thomas. Covington, going all the way over to Florence and all the big, huge metro Florence Union. See where I'm going with this? I mean, not a single, like, okay, so, I mean, you know that, in other words, don't tell me that you actually want them to be believe idolatry or idolatrous false ideas, whatever. You don't, these are the conversations I had with him. Why don't you have this outpost? You could, you know, call it the, you know, the Abrahamic, Abrahamic faith, you know, center. <laughs> right? Sure. Okay. And then the idea yeah. would be, you know, if you if you teach it as that you, the non-Jews can still become Noahide, you can be Noahides. What? That's fine. You can walk in, and then if you want, you can have like a fork in the road. You know, if you want to be a Noahide, go over here. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Go this way. Or if you want to, you know, become elevated and get the Torah and everything completely like you're Jewish, well, go over here in the right way to conversion. That was fine if you want to do it that way. But why don't you at least have it? So anyway, what he told me is the answer is the answer. What he told me is that we don't do that because we don't teach the Torah to non-Jews. That's what we told It's rather secret society-ish of them. <sighs> I said, so therefore, you're comfortable with them, with people, even though you know the truth, right? You know the truth. You, you're comfortable with all these people, even if they are trying to find the right way to continue in error. You actually want them to continue in error because you're not trying to show them a way out. That's what I said to him. Yeah. Well, we've tried to teach. We did things in the past and it turned on us and, and I don't know, something bad happened because we taught the Torah. And I, but I said, Moshe said, if you keep his, his um, commands, his mitzvot, you won't have an enemy to fear. That's what I told him. Yeah. <sighs> that one will put a thousand and two will put ten thousand, you know, down or whatever, right? He'll be like right. Joshua and taking the, <clears throat> you know, I mean, you won't have an enemy to fear. I told him this. I mean, I really got preaching that one. <laughs> no, What's that? that is heavy. That's heavy. I like it. It is heavy. <laughs> because he was he he was saying that while we're we've been 
persecuted by the Spaniards or persecuted by the Germans or persecuted by the British or all these different things through history, which are true. Yeah. All this while I know that you're in what's called a gilos. That's a uh, a dispersion or a uh, exile because of idolatry. <laughs> it's because of idolatry that you are in the nation like that. See. Yeah. Not only that, but I'm thinking all the while, and I never got to talk with him about it. Deuteronomy chapter 30 says that I don't, I don't know how he's going well, to bring you, them back. <clears throat> when you return to my law, right. I'll bring you back no matter how far you are. This is a true story. It really did happen. Now, the way he was, t- he was nice and cordial with me. We were kind of like work buddies, you know, and we would do walks uh, out at lunchtime uh, in the parking lot. <laughs> talking about stuff and this was one of the conversations <laughs> yeah this was one of the conversations we had <clears throat> we don't teach the Torah to non-Jews it's a matter of policy where does it say in the Torah to not do that <laughs> I think it kind of says the opposite I'm, really I'm can you read, it kind of in jest but can you, is there can some you kind read of yeah, go ahead. No. Is there some kind of midrash maybe that they're clinging to that says the opposite? It's a good guess. It's a really good <laughs> guess. You're, you've learned a lot. <laughs> you've learned a lot in a short time. It's not mm-hmm. a midrash, but it is in the oral Torah. Mm-hmm. That's the part I didn't want to get into a discussion about. But you know about right? You know about that, right? I say. I oral, do. Yeah. The oral Torah. Yeah, Daniel's talked about it. We've, yeah. So I can cover it as a over. <clears throat> I don't want to get into the deep dive. <laughs> it's not right. time to get into that. Because it, it's really, you can't understand, as you're picking up on, you can't really understand this teaching without knowing the, the Jewish thought on oral Torah. So, Which is that it's, that it's equal with the law, right? Right. <laughs> well, that's well, uh, I feel like some would actually place it above the law, like the written Torah. There is. There actually is. <laughs> it's not funny. Heaven forbid I laugh about it. I shouldn't. Yeah, I was going to say, but across, you're laughing. I know, but it comes across <laughs> as demonstrably absurd. But it's unfortunately, it really is the the reality the of the situation. Yeah, it is. So, all right. Um, yeah, here I am. I got the camera. Oh, hey. Hello. Yeah. Shalom, my brother. Shalom. Shabbat shalom. So, where were we? Yeah. Um, Oral Torah. It's really hard to find. If you take a person and reason, the reason I keep saying I don't want to cover this is because if you take any person who's on this path, like 
towards the Hebraic way and towards the Torah and the mitzvot, so-called Torah faith, right? You can use that term. It's it, it's so incomprehensible. It's really hard to describe. It's hard to describe the thinking. Yeah. Maybe we'll circle back to it and I will cover it more. It's something I really have to think about to explain, but the the, the conceptual idea is that the word Torah, the idea of Torah, consists in, in, in Orthodox thought, it consists of a written Torah, which we agree 100% with. That's what made us like brothers. Right. <laughs> this other guy I was talking to, but they have another teaching that they call it, you know, the oral tradition, the oral tradition. That's the, another term. Their technical term in Hebrew is called Torah Shebe'al Fe. That's the precise technical term for this. And it mm. means it's the portion of the Torah that is ostensibly came from Sinai. And it has all the rabbinic decisions ever in the history of time in it. And those become <coughs> now elevated, like you're saying, they, they become elevated to the, with the Torah. So it's this big, huge compendium of, of um, different things. For example, like the idea to add Purim. Purim. All right. Or even the ninth of Av. <coughs> you know about that. So in, in so not only do you, do you have the Moedim of Shabbat, Pesach, Shavuot, Bikurim, which is first fruits, Tura, Yom Tura, trumpets, and Sukkot, right? Mm-hmm. Extra holidays like Hanukkah. And, you know, we're okay with Hanukkah for some reason. <laughs> Subjective. But right, there's a positive mitzvah. There's a positive mitzvah to keep the pace of of command in the written Torah to keep Hanukkah. Right, it it does get mentioned in the New Testament, but it's not associated with a commandment. Right. Well, I think the reason we have the 25th of December is because, you know, around the time of Jesus, the entire Jewish world was celebrating Hanukkah, and the church likely was as well. And, uh, you know, Constantine wanted to differentiate the church from the synagogue, and so he instituted this transition to... uh, yeah. make that possible right so what i'm trying to do is we talk about the torah it's called torah the torah that is is according to you know um voice or uh, talk oral mm-hmm. right a mouth so it's the oral torah so it not only it's it's, to, to be precise on this is really hard to do, but the idea is that, okay, like, and certain parts of it are not a problem for us, Hebraic path. Like, if you take the, 
details or the rules for how to do a mizuzah. You know, a mizuzah is supposed to be, you know, done a certain way um, on the doorpost, right? Or right. Some, of the, some of the details for making seat seat, that kind of thing, or some of the details for how to do a kosher uh, animal processing. That's all part of the oral Torah that is understood or is acclaimed to be goes all the way back to Moses and the uh, Sinai. So those prob those portions are less problematic for us of the other tribes <laughs> that are not part of Judah, right? They're less right. problematic for us than the parts that say, and it's in the Shulchan Aruch, which is the codification of all the Torah, the oral Torah. It's called the Shulchan Aruch. Right. That's where all this stuff is like if it's um, <laughs> I would have to share a screen and I, don't, I just don't want to get into it all now. But that's the one where you're not allowed to take notes on Shabbat. Not a lot. Remember, you got to take the ball. You got put your we put our refrigerator in Shabbat mode. But, you know, <laughs> just that's, in case that's a, that's a symbolic <laughs> thing. It's, it's a symbolic thing for us. Right. But right. legalism, legalism is that you cannot uh, turn the light on on Shabbat. Like, you know, that, that somehow is, they call it a desecration of Shabbat. <laughs> so, they, so they have these rabbinic things, or, you know, fence around the Torah, whatever. You want. It's really in detailed and really involved in a really long time of doing it. So... That's how it ends up that in our time, a person cannot write notes on Shabbat. You can't fold paper on Shabbat. You can't, you know, insert a paper into an envelope on Shabbat. <sighs> Help me out here. What are some other things we can't do? Can't turn the light on. You can't, um, well, you can't do what we're doing. Can't be on your computer. Right. You can't be on your computer. Right. So in their estimation, we are this is a desecration of Shabbat. Yes. Which itself is on its face, I would say that that's just like absurd. Um because th these are the technologies that the Holy One has provided for us to be able to be <laughs> become reunited and re educated in the Derechemet, the, the way of truth. So that we can be coming back to the land of Israel, <laughs> it's the tooling that Hashem has given, right? Right. It, and and there there are a lot of problems. Again, a deep dive. It feels like it would take days to really um, so properly six, dive into it to deal with it. Yeah. Well, if you want something to kind of draw us back to the parasha or the, the Torah portion, um, <laughs> I was listening to that Rashi podcast, and they were uh, they mentioned that Hashem had given the Israelites two mitzvot for the blessing of Hashem to hang upon. Does that sound familiar at all? <laughs> Run that. I was getting ready to take this idea of the Torah. I was setting some things up on the screen here, so I need you to repeat that. Oh, I'm sorry. You're good. Before, 
on the Rossi for which verse? <laughs> Uh, I don't know for which verse. I was, it's a podcast. I was listening to it while driving to work. Oh, it's but, during a podcast. Okay. Yeah. And the guy who's speaking, uh, who was reading the Rashi interpretation after reading the scripture, he was saying that Hashem had given Israel two mitzvot so that the blessing of Hashem could sort of hang off of that honor or that whatever you want to call it does that sound at all familiar yeah that it's i'm trying to remember which meets both these two are i don't know they but say, what got me was uh they they probably did but i was driving at the time and i didn't catch that part yeah. but <laughs> they uh the thing that struck me was how similar it is to the idea of evil needing to cling to something. So does blessing from this perspective. You you need like a base right. to put it on. I agree, and they are related. I think you're onto something. Yes, it's a it's way out there, kind of esoteric. But if you get get the basics, yeah. That's pretty cool. I thought. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you can. It's good that you can see that because, in fact, the Bria and all the worlds, the spiritual worlds, they do work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, the two mitzvot that are like the underpinnings, and I'm almost positive that one of them is the Kriyat Shema, which is um, it's the prayer of Deuteronomy six four. That one. That's one of them. I'm almost positive that's one of them. The other one probably is. Prob. It's my guess. This is. We need to dig in a little deeper on this and research it. But if I had to guess, it would be the. Uh, <clears throat> it would either be the Shabbos or the circumcision. It's one or the other of those. So. But we we need to find out which one they're talking about. The two in particular. Which two? Not toe. Two. Meets vote. I'm not coming up with this on Google. All right. So while you're doing that, I'll go ahead and start the screen share, and I want to go back to our that that conversation with my it was a coworker, you know, like a work buddy, you know. It was quite amazing thing for me, really, to learn um, things. He his really strong advice. I mean, he was all ready to. Shoo me in, you know, and get me all converted. I, I, I should become Jewish. He was totally sold on it. Yeah. I asked him to do like Kriyat Shema. I can't, let's do Kriyat Shema together. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Vehavtet. You know, like the real Hebrew Shema in the whole thing. Right. 
he was quite reluctant to do that, and that's because of this weird divi- divide, you know, divide that they have about Jews and non-Jews. This weird uh, division. So I I couldn't I tried to come up with like a Hebrew verse. I was I was sending him a Hebrew Hebrew verse of the day. Yeah. <laughs> one of the ones I sent him was this one. I'm going to share. <laughs> So other than to tell me to convert, he didn't he didn't know what else to do. <laughs> it's kind of like a evangelical Christian who's uh, talking to somebody that's like, yeah, I believe it, but I'm not interested in converting. <laughs> this is one of the ones I sent him. This the he knows Hebrew. He knows this word here is the root word for Jewish, Yehuda, right? Yeah. Ho this is Hodu, right? So you can hear Hodu or Yehuda, the Hod part, right? And Yehuda is this word. It's based on that. So the word in Jew it's Judah or Yehuda. It's from this chorus right here. So praise to Adonai, right? Kiru Bishmo, that means proclaim his name. This is mm-hmm. the one I really want to get to. This is this word here means knowledge, but it's cause others to know. The he this form is cause others to know. Right? It's Yada, right? Hodi. Yeah. Hodu la Adonai Kiru Bishmo. Hodiu. Proclaim, cause others that they would know <laughs> among the Amim, by Amim, cause others to know in the nations. Look at that. Ali Lotav, um, your wonders, your works. <laughs> we don't, huh. See what I mean? It's the opposite idea. Yeah. I sent him that without commenting on it. Did he ever reply? No, and this one he never did. Yeah, in the nations, the armor, the uh, the peoples, right? His wonders, his works, his deeds. Obras in Spanish. Anyway, <laughs> this, you know, based on this, this where this is like a source I was using for why you ought to have that outpost. Center, you know, the Abrahamic faith center with a right. menorah and a Torah and a, a, a star, Mogan, <laughs> right? Six pointed. All right, back. Where were we? I, that was a, that was a, <laughs> a, a little bit extra there. We're, oh, the mitzvah, the two mitzvot um, that, what was it, sustained Israel or something? I think. Essentially, yeah. Gave God a reason to bless them. Or gave something for God's blessing to stay with them. Might be a better way to say that. Yeah, I have heard it. I have. <laughs> I there. <clears throat> Do me to vote. There's the Shema coming up because I that one you just about can't get away from. 
Did we? Did he give the verse? This one, that that was Rashi, or? Yeah. So he, what he does is he'll go through. You know how Rashi will quote systematically from like he'll have something for almost every verse that's there. So I think on the podcast he reads the scripture, and then he yeah. reads the Rashi. And whenever there's a Bellatorum, he'll read that, which I'm not 100% sure about what that is, Bellatorum. I imagine it's another sage. What was it? Yeah, that's another sage. It's, a, it's, like a, it's like another Rossi type. Yes. Yes. I got you. It's, it's a who it is. Yeah, it's here. We can actually... You can actually, uh, we can probably find him. He's probably in in the Wikipedia somewhere. <laughs> there he is, Jacob. Yeah, that's it. Right, that's the guy. So we're mentioning, you know, let's see, uh, let's see. Right. So this is a contemporary. It's a little bit after Rashi, but it's kind of in the same time era. 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 Yeah, within like two hundred years or so, two to right, two to three hundred years. Right. Rashi, yeah, it's probably even less than that. Well, Rashi was earlier, but there's a bunch of these that came. They were like, you know, interesting, like super scholars that were in the time of Rashi and a little bit after that, you know, it mm-hmm. was like reaching a pinnacle. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones, lesser known, but, you know. Oh, oh, this thing here. Remember, I, I mentioned this. Here it is right here. The Shulchan Aruch. Right. So that's okay. Ben Asher is best known for writing the Arba'a Turim, a four part code of the Oral Torah. <laughs> it's a codification of the Oral Torah that was standard legal code for Sephardic and Ashkenazi until it was displaced by the Shulchan Aruch in the 1500s. Right. So. So these are the distillations of all the oral traditions into a big, like, you know, compendium. And it's a complex topic. It has a mixture of things that we could find passing and acceptable, you know, and and then parts that we would find, like, not really in agreement with, right? Right. Objectionable, Objectionable, even. Sure. Anyway, that's the Shulchan Aruch. I mentioned that earlier. So how nice that it comes up here during our lesson. So for some reason, um, okay. So in in very general terms, remember remember we talked about the Karaite, the Karaites. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In very broad general terms, in the. <clears throat> These people, yeah, you know, are these the Orthodox are the parosim. They're, you know, it's a it's a bad sounding word in English, the Pharisees. <laughs> but there was another group called the Sadducees, right? Remember we talked about this. Yes. Those the 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 the, the, the correspond to Karaites, so they were people who were not such big on on this oral Torah. Mm-hmm. That was one of the big differences. It was one of the big differences, and they used to have a big, much bigger following than they have now. And the whole history of the world is all 
gone with the oral Torah uh, group. Right. Here. So it's just something you constantly have to filter. Um, yeah, so the the uh, the oral Torah came from the traditions of the Pharisees, which I think at the time before it was codified as the oral law was kind of like just called the traditions of the fathers. Well, and then, and then, yeah. you know, they got so hyped up on, well, this has got to be the way we operate. And the Sadducees were like, well, there's no precedence for that to be like actual law because it's not. And then as history played out with Akiva and others, and that's when they put the rubber stamp of the oral Torah on on its uh, you know cover page, and they're like, ah, see, this is from the mouth of God. They do that, and as Karina pointed out earlier, there's like this elevate. I think it was her that it actually elevates some of these to being equal as if it was in, you know, the scroll of the Torah. Right. Yeah, like it was <laughs> the same that. thing. They do that. Even if it's contradictory. Let's look a little bit at, right, because this is useful. So when we talk about Karaite, just in a general sense, not necessarily this part, so not necessarily only this conversation. It's that other group that was in conflict with the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They were really um, famous debates that took place between what are now Karaite and the Orthodox. And of -hmm. course, the Orthodox, the Orthodox, do marginalize. They don't like the (laughs) Karaites. Right. That's troublemakers, right? So this is, I have no idea what this says, but it says here, Karaites do not follow the oral Torah and adopt the most straightforward interpretation of the means vote from the Torah. So they don't put on tefillin, which that's the, the roll and the things on your arm and then the uh, thing they put on their forehead. Right. Anything against it, I'm neutral on that, but he's saying they don't do it. They're allowed to eat cheeseburgers because the only literal prohibition relating to meat and dairy is to avoid boiling a calf in its mother's milk. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. So our Hebraic pathway would echo this sentiment exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So at some point, um, there was I don't know if I don't know the details. It might have been the Sanhedrin, the uh, the Pharisee controlled Sanhedrin, or it could have been another rabbinic rabbinic uh, court somewhere. But they made a ruling that if you drink the milk first or eat it together with the meal, that's not allowed. <laughs> But you could, sorry, I said that wrong. If you eat the meat first and then drink your milk. That's the one that's not allowed. Yes, you can't eat it together, 
but you can't drink the milk after. You could drink the milk first. That's remember we talked about that funny. Yeah. Very funny. It sounds funny. Yeah, I remember. I said it wrong. They met together and determined that milk and meat together is not allowed. So, you eat the, if you ate meat, then you must not have any cheese with it or milk. <laughs> That's what this is based on. See that? Those poor Orthodox don't know what they're missing. <laughs> There's another reason that they will avoid McDonald's and Wendy's more than just for this. <laughs> It's because it's made by non-Jews, and there's a whole they don't have the right cost route in the kitchen and all that stuff, you know. Right. <sighs> That's another topic, another day. There's another big difference, like the Karaites. Karaite men are Jewish if their fathers are Jewish, whereas if in the Orthodox. A man is not Jewish if his father is. Sorry. No. If his father is Jewish, but his mother is not Jewish, then you're not a Jewish. You're not Jewish. And right. That's Orthodox world. Your mother determines whether you're Jewish instead of your father. The Karaite have the opposite view. He's just talking about some of the differences. Okay. Right. Karaite men are Jewish if their father is Jewish. I have no idea what he's talking about with this genetic stuff, but that's enough for him. All right. Okay, so let's look here. Karaite Judaism. Uh, recognition of the written Torah alone as its supreme authority in halacha and theology. So, Karaites mm -hmm. believe that the commandments which were handed down to Moshe by Elohim were recorded in the written Torah without any additional oral law or explanation. So, unlike mainstream Orthodox, <laughs> which considers the oral Torah codified in the Talmud and subsequent works to be authoritative interpretations of the Torah, Karaites do not believe that the written collections of the oral tradition, hey, there you go, in the Midrash and the Talmud are binding. So that is a huge difference. We haven't mm -hmm. talked about that. And I know that Karaites look to the Talmud, I mean, we, you know, we can learn from it. It has a place in this world. It has a, you know, it's, it, we can respect it. There's, you know, we don't denigrate it. I mean, it's good. I mean, we can use it for good, but it doesn't become elevated as high as the written Torah. Sure. It doesn't become higher. But I feel like it, uh, the only time it really becomes a problem is if you start to use it as a basis of judgment on others. Like right, if, so if you want to follow the oral oral law, you know, more power to you. But if it becomes something that's condemning others, that's that's where it becomes problematic. So if you if you this is just echoing one of the things that was said earlier, 
rabbinic Judaism or Orthodox Judaism relies on the legal rulings of the Sanhedrin. Remember, I mentioned that a few minutes ago. The legal rulings of the Sanhedrin as they are codified in the Midrash and the Talmud and other sources to convey or indicate the authentic meaning of the Torah. That's that's why their idea of Torah is that, well, you can't have just a written Torah. you got to have, you know, you got to have the oral Torah in order to Because have. that's how the written Torah throughout the ages was was understood. Say that again. That was because of, that was how the was, written Torah. Right. So the reason uh, they, they say that is because they feel like in order to understand the written law, you need to see how the law had been interpreted throughout the ages, which is what the oral Torah is. It. The problem is that, yes, the you could qualify that as the oral Torah does include sections for which that is correct. That is the truth. That is the case. But the problem is that these um, rulings that this this is referring to here, legal rulings, are thought by Orthodox. They're thought to attain to the same level of mitzvot <laughs> as what's in the Royal Torah. So it's not only a expansion of the meaning of like how to shecht or shechet or which is a um, kosher preparation of an animal, right? Right. The techniques on how to do that. Or there's that cow again. <laughs> you can mute. Just go ahead and mute. Oh, it's fine. I was just oh. joking. Is that the dog? Is that Yapa doing that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> she keeps grunting. Okay. <laughs> My cow. I like the uh, mezuzah example. So there are a lot of details for how to make a mezuzah that's. So you could say, you know, those details or some of those details, or the details are based on details that came from Sinai. I'm, that's that's not gonna that's not gonna really conflict with where we are. That's that's a, not a problem. Right. But well, I, I think it, really the sorry. Go on. Well, it's by contrast, <clears throat> the prohibition against like using a computer on Shabbat. That's something we have a problem with. <laughs> That's different. I, you know, I totally disagree. I don't think you're hearing from Hashem on this. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's not Agreed. the world of heaven. You know. So how do you end up with a situation where you don't put a, a, a synagogue just for the benefit of church people so they can learn, you know, about the Hebrew <laughs> stuff, right? Because mm -hmm. that's in the Oral Torah that teaching of you don't teach non-Jews. It's actually also in the in the oral Torah. Mm -hmm. So we would have a problem with that. We do have a problem with it. Yeah. Right. Definitely. 
So uh, I was going to suggest a parallel. The difference between a Pharisaic or rabbinic orthodox view and the Karaite view would be kind of the difference between law based on precedent versus constitutional law. I like that. Yeah, because they're using precedent for everything. Yeah. In this, they are, yeah. And it's indirectly, that's a pretty good comparison. So organic common law or constitutional law is objective and it is unchanging. It doesn't pass, you know, decisions. Don't influence it. Right. The more precedent you add to the law system, the further you get from what the constitutional law was actually saying, which is kind of, I feel like, what happens with the oral law. Yeah, I think for our purposes, that's a good good um, way to illustrate the difference. Um, because ultimately, it came down to a vote in, in a rabbinic court somewhere. So that, and then that became an, act, an enactment of law as if it came from Sinai. There's a whole theoretical background behind this, and I, I really don't want to get into it right now. But they, they they claim to have a source. They claim to have sources for this, like a like a um, of you know a passage in the Torah that supposedly activates this legal principle. Um, right. I did want you to notice here that it says, according to this person, the ancestors of the Karaites were a group called the Bnei Tzedek. B'nai Tzedek, right? During the second period, right? That's quite interesting to me. It really mm-hmm. is interesting. Historians have argued whether Karaism has a direct connection to the Sadducees dating back to the second temple period, or whether Karaism represents a novel emergence of comparable views. All right, either way, it doesn't matter in that sense because, if, you know, there's still like two things equal to the same thing are equal to each other logically right like if i have if i have a quantity in this hand it's equal to five and i have this quantity is equal to five well then they're equal to each other right (laughs) logically i'm just saying you know no i get it the same thing are equal you know to each other and so it doesn't really matter in this this is a so-called splitting hairs here in this the Karaites have always maintained that while there are differences in the, this group, it, it just happens that there's another front row seat view of these Sadducees written in the New Testament. That's all. It's, just, it's mm-hmm. interesting. It's a very curious thing. Due to the rejection of rabbinical authority and rejecting the oral law. Anyway, the arguments they had are the stuff of legends. Um, I would, I have always wanted to know, uh, you know, and this is something I, I haven't, uh, been able to do yet.
Um, I'm not remembering the other one. The other one was. Do they have some kind of difference on Shavuot? Yeah, they do. And this was one of the legendary huge arguments. It's called a machlochas in the Hebrew. Machlochas refers to a, it's for lack of a better word, it's a, an argument. <laughs> <laughs> it's an argument. It's arguing over doctrine. <laughs> Why is their Shavuot always on Sunday? It's a very technical reason. It's because of how they interpreted a verse in Exodus. Um, I don't want to get into the exact details on this, but the the way that the date for several when the the um, remember it's forty nine days. It's seven weeks between Passover and Pentecost, right? Or yeah, Pesach Right. There are according to the scripture, we everybody kind of can figure out it's seven weeks. It does say that. It's not hard to figure figure that out. However, this argument of epic proportions was about <laughs> how do you start that counting? When exactly do you start it? Right. So the Karaites had the view that the Torah was saying to start it with the weekly Shabbat that follows Passover. Follow you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So whatever whatever you have Passover and then continue on the calendar for however many days and then it'll be a regular Shabbat. And they the Karaites said it's supposed to start then. That's yeah. why in seven weeks it'll always be a Sunday because it started on the Shabbat. Right? Think about it logically. Well, so the Orthodox think you the Orthodox, should count. Right. They think you should count that um, Sabbath. The Orthodox find that it's the first day after the Chagamatzot, the Feast of uh, Unleavened Bread, the very first calendar day after that is when they started. It's a technical, extremely technical point, but so let's say that Feast of Unleavened Bread ended on, you know, the middle of the week, you know, Yom Revi'i, a so-called Wednesday, right? So the Orthodox would say is the following day starts the 49. Okay. Okay. That's the Orthodox. That was their argument. The Karaites said, oh, no, no, it's supposed to start on the Shabbat right after the weekly Shabbat. And this is because technically the last day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread is itself, it's, it's, it's a Sabbath day also. So they were, they were reading it from the oral Torah, oral law, that the final day of 
Feast of Unleavened Bread starts the, you know, starts the countdown. Whereas the Karaites said, oh, no, 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 it's supposed to be the Shabbat after Pesach. It's a very technical point. I find it extremely, it's extremely interesting. And I would really like to hear some of the history from their side. <laughs> That's what I've been looking for. Hmm. So do they not have denominations? Like Christians have denominations? Because it seems like, oh, like the Jews. So, I mean, I guess they've got the Karaites and the Orthodox. They do have, the Jewish do have denominations, but it's not as... Splintered. It's not quite as splintered as... Right, it's not. It is similar, though. Um, like we have Catholic question. and we have Catholic and Protestant, and then everything, you know. But after that, there's splinters and factions. But oh man, you go into Protestant, yeah. I mean, we could, <laughs> you know. Let's uh, here, number of Christian. <laughs> it's a lot. You know, I bet it's over 300. I could probably sit here and name 25 or 30 of them. <laughs> the number of Christian denominations. <laughs> Look at that. How many? Goodness sakes. Good Lord. Well, if you if you go over to the Eastern Byzantine world, it is going to be huge because they have their own splinter groups over there. Mm. You got to remember this is so I should have put American, just American, you know. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Look at that. This is not the number <laughs> of denominations, it's the number of people in it. But here are the dumb. Seventh day Baptist, Converge Baptist, Evangelical Baptist, the Manipur mm. Baptist, the Free Will Baptist, Free Will Baptist, the Conservative Baptist, the Union Baptist. Some of these are international. Brazil, Brazil Baptist, Korea Baptist. So, wow. The big one is the SBC. How about Methodist? I'm just curious. You know, there's Lutheran. Reform, there's going to be a huge amount of them. Methodist, yeah. The United Methodist, the African Methodist Church, the Nazarenes are from the Methodist. How about that? <laughs> Salvation Army's from the Methodist. Really? Yeah, it says if they're there. Well, wait, 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 wait. Like, I guess my surprise isn't that, you know, the Salvation Army was derived from the Methodist denomination, but rather. I didn't realize the Salvation Army was a denomination of the church. It was like a helpful humanitarian group. Yeah, you, think you get them, you know, they're kind of like a Goodwill, you know, you think you, yeah. you got a St. Vincent de Paul and Goodwill, you think it's another one of them. Huh. <laughs> The Amish come out of the Anabaptists. The Anabaptists, right. Check that out. Which, My Google search says there might be 45,000 different denominations worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So, I've never so thought no, of it. 
No, the Jewish don't. Sounds they like have... the church has got to get their shit together is what it sounds like. <laughs> sounds like every time there's a disagreement, we create a new denomination. Where's the Shakers at? I thought they were I'm just making a joke because I, <laughs> I saw Quakers here. See that? Quakers. I see them, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> the, shakers. the Shakers. There aren't any more, are there? <laughs> Yeah, I think they had a, like a dogma conflict or something, so it <laughs> it really wasn't good for expansion. <laughs> Did it have to do with like absolute celibacy? Yeah. Married or non-married? Yeah. yeah, they only got new converts by uh, outreach, obviously. It's not good for their numbers. <laughs> you think they would have thought that through a little more thoroughly? <laughs> Well, anyway, my question was: Do they have? Do, do they have denominations? They do, but they don't. They're not called that. Hmm. Like, well, they do have them. They let Terry say that here. T. Ferret, she'll say that. You can unmute for that. Or you could up they have reform. They have reform and conservative, basically. Isn't that about it, or what? Well, there's also orthodox, and you got your Karaite, yeah. you got your Hasidic, and so on yeah, and so forth. All right, so this yeah. this technically they do they have these sub splinters even the orthodox do so in the big in the big picture you mentioned the um mm -hmm. um what you know the karaites so you have the karaites you have the reform you have which are just like wackos or liberals you knew that right yeah I, unfortunately every almost all the synagogues up in cincinnati are reform that big eyes that, like, yeah that in the reason yeah well that's because Cincinnati historically was the absolute headquarters. It was the hub of reform. Judaism. Ah, that would explain it. Yeah. So that that that's where they make their uh, rabbis. That's where they do their ordination and where they do their training and everything. It's in Hebrew Union College in Cincinnati. So those those <laughs> reform rabbis end up all over the place. Wherever. <laughs> uh, that's. That's not good for the Jewish people at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there's a nickname for them that the Orthodox use. But I don't want to get... Snowflakes? <laughs> we would think that the politics, you know, the political side of reform <coughs> is like, you know, the abomina abomination. <laughs> abomination. Abomination is awful. I mean, the social, you know, socialism and uh, leftist political view is terrible. Yeah. We, we would not. I don't want to do I don't even want to get into that history. So <laughs> anyway, those are reform conservative. Conservative are less liberal. They're less liberal than than reform. There is a reconstructionist, reconstructionist Jewish, but those those people are like even more liberal than before. 
And they're thin? That's what they're called, Reconstructionists. And they're more modern liberal than the reformers. Yes, they are. That's kind of sad. Oh, look at that. That church, that sign there, Reconstructing Judaism, is on <laughs> yeah. 1299 Church Road. <laughs> it is, says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I think maybe. Um, so I had been watching. Uh, it's, I follow these people on TikTok uh, that were Jewish Orthodox, I think. But somewhere along the line, I've heard that there are some that that say that they're Jewish and they're practicing, but you don't. But they don't believe God even exists. It's just like a mindset. Those are the Reconstructionist and Humanist. There's a Humanist group as well. So most of these denominations that are not Orthodox are just like more and more and more liberal. Okay. And the ultimate liberal is there is no God or whatever. It's like a, it's like a concept or something. <laughs> like you yeah, it's very weird. So... It's almost like a worship of their heritage rather than their God. It's hard to figure out what they're doing, but yes, that would be a that would be fine statement to make. Kaplan believed that in the light of, of advances in philosophy, science, and history, it's impossible for modern Jews to continue to adhere to many of Judaism Judaism's traditional theological claims. So in other words, that's liberal thought right there. Get that? Yeah. We yeah. have modern science, and that takes us away from belief, literal, in the Bible. It's They're just weird, uh, you know, like liberal ideas. Hmm. Reconstruction, Reconstructionist Judaism holds the that the uh, traditional halakhic system is not capable to produce a code of contact meaning conduct meaningful or unacceptable to the vast majority of Jews. Thus must be reinterpreted <laughs> for its new time period. Unlike classical reform Judaism, Reconstructionism is even more liberal. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. No, the <laughs> Reconstructionism holds that a person's default position should be to incorporate Jewish laws and tradition to their lives Unless they have a reason to do, unless they have a reason to do otherwise. <laughs> so there was a guy. There was a guy who was one of these. I don't know. He must have been reformed or something. And he he told he told us that he wasn't kosher. <laughs> Why he was, our, he was so called. He was Jewish, but he was telling us that he didn't. He wasn't kosher, in other words. What he told us was that he didn't follow any kind of kosher dietary whatsoever. That's what he was telling me, us. Mm. So, so he was in one of these liberal groups. That's what he was. So. Interesting. So maybe so they, they are here. more fractured on down into sex. A little bit. So if if you if you if you take the Orthodox, you know, which will be okay, Protestant, right? So it splits into its own 
you have these types. These are the Hasidic. They have their own like traditions. There they are. There's the Hasidics. <laughs> they have the coats and the hats and the, the little um. They're like a curly hair thing. They get they grow. Yeah. <laughs> Those are Hasidics. Yeah, that's. Then there's um, this group here. These are the Haredis. That's a different one. See, their looks are different. They're Haredis. Well, they got uh, fedoras. They do. They have a different type of. Right. Their outfits are different. Their traditions are a little different. Um, then they have modern Orthodox. And you look like that's like the guy I worked with. He was probably that. So they do. They have them. They have, the, they have like their denominations within. It's not nearly like the Christians. <laughs> <laughs> They've got a handful, and we've got a planet worth. Forty-five thousand, you know. <laughs> Great that was question. a little off topic, yeah, but no, it wasn't, I was just but curious. It's, it's good. It's very good. Question. So where were we? I'm trying to oh, we're trying to think. Look at this karaite. So that's why I said from the beginning that the, the belief structure that the karaites have about the scripture, most most you know church people would find that agreeable. They would be in harmony and in agreement with. So. Well, if they, if the church could take a step back and examine the idea without bias, yeah, then I think you're right. Right. So the the way the or the way the Karaites say that the written Torah is the final authority for doctrine, right? That's mm -hmm. that's a very agreeable idea to most. What. Church-going Christians. Right, yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, it, you know, it was popularized by Luther and the sola scriptura idea, right? Sola scriptura, only scripture. And they actually do, they're very close to that, the Karaites are. So they're, mm -hmm. they're, an they're a very interesting group. Um, they don't have very much of a presence in the U.S. <laughs> they have some in Israel. Yeah, I was. Uh, I looked that up one time, and I got real disappointed. Like after I learned that the Karaites were a thing, yeah, and then I found out that they're not here. I was like, oh, I know. I know. That's you see what I mean. Like when you first learn about this, you think this is the tr you know the train. I need I need to get on this. That's perfect. We'll go yeah. follow these you know brothers and learn from them. For at this time. It's not, they only have two synagogues in the entire country. From what I understand, yeah. the Karaites have one in near San Francisco or something like that, and another one in West Virginia. That's I wonder okay. what makes their line of thinking so unpopular. You would think that there would be more, um, I don't know, kind of like what me and Daniel were doing and deconstructing from traditions that we've been taught, you'd think that there would be more Jews that would also be doing that.
He's thinking. <laughs> Where you find them, you know, you got to go find like a pal talk group or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. In in regards to Carrie's question, uh, I I don't feel like you and I, Carrie, are, are the norms on this. Uh, you know, this journey we're on. I think we're the exception. <laughs> okay, and, all right. And, I know that's a good point. <laughs> in in the same way, I feel like you know, if you're going down your Jewish road under the you know roadway of the Orthodox and everything, it's gonna take an awful lot for you to re-examine the map. Yeah. Yeah. So so the way I look at the and this is a good way to look at them, our brothers, the Orthodox, is that even though I don't accept all of their creed, right? So if you go back to our pictures that we we looked at the uh, Haredi, we looked at the Hasidic, we looked at the modern, <clears throat> it was in that one page that was up there. There are certain elements in that fellow, you know, the person I worked with, we could agree on certain things and had to agree to disagree on other things. But the one thing that they have that is very much useful, and you got to think of them as like this group of people, we don't accept all of their, you know, like dogma or teaching or whatever, but they have they have the library. So that's what's useful and we can learn a lot from them. So it's like a people we don't agree with all of their ways, but they do have a good library, you know, to learn from. So that's how that's the picture I've had for all these years. Right. Yeah. There's an awful lot of knowledge out of the orthodox world. That's what I'm talking about. And so these people throwing it down. Sorry. Yeah, I was saying here's a, here they are. So they're you know I salute them. You know that's for them. That's not for me. The life they're going you know is not for me. Um, the details. It's the hat, isn't it? Yeah, it's the hat. <laughs> Well, if he's this <laughs> enough boy, to deter he, anybody, <laughs> but I would like, I would like to go to their yeshiva and learn there. I would. I, I now would their say. yeshiva would be like their their school for yeah. rabbis. Yeah. No, it's not just a rabbi. It's just their education. It's, system. it's a Torah. It's a Torah learning center, right? Okay. So that's what I mean. I, you know, I would. In other words, there's none around here, and there weren't any up there. I don't. Um, the, the closest one up there is that uh, Golf Manor. Yeah. Right, so it's a learning center, a Jewish educational institution for Torah study. So we can glean a lot of stuff, like you're saying, from the yeshiva, right? That we don't uh -huh. have to put the, all of that above the written Torah. It's still right. very, very good information. So, I mean, there's a typical inside. <laughs> And this is a custom of our brothers, the Jews, that I, I just think it's stellar, and it's something I hope to be part of. Um, 
restoring to the rest of the tribes. Mm-hmm. See that, that would be amazing. I mean, this is this is like that learning is a- the the word of Elohim right there, you know, the Devar and all the insight and all the spirituality of it. Right? Look right. at that library back there. That's what I'm <laughs> talking. That's it. These Beautiful guys, sight. It's beauty, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so even though I don't accept their doctrine at the uh, oral Torah, you know, level acceptance and everything, what they have going is this library. <laughs> That's what I just said a few minutes ago, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll have a library like that one day. Amen. <laughs> It'll cost thousands and thousands of dollars. <laughs> Not for the bookshelves, just for the books alone, you know. So what they're doing here, I can just about tell you, is that's Talmud, and then they're doing a Dafiomi, which is a daily, you know, page of the uh, Talmud. That's probably what they're working on. These boys here. Yeah. So, and that's okay if you want to do that. Um, certain parts of the Talmud. We could we could look at right now. It's really good stuff. It is. I, I saw somebody somebody on Facebook was selling some bookshelves, like two bookshelves, and yeah. I I noticed in the picture that all the books on top of the bookshelf were Hebrew, and they were like really high quality binding, like what you see in this picture here. Yes. And so I sent her a message asking, hey, what are you going to do with uh, all the books on the shelf? It uh, They appear to be written in Hebrew. I'm guessing it's the Talmud. And my thought was if she was going to sell it for like, you know, $150 or whatever, then I'd buy it. Because those, you know, the whole Talmud is like, what, $2,000? Yes. More? Yes. Good so, Lord. Really? $2,000? Yeah, I mean it's it's not one book. It's like thousands of years worth of written material. So it's like a series of books. Right. So here's um, a, here's another. Oh, go ahead. This is uh, a good picture. Uh, unfortunately. So he's doing a Torah lesson. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm. I'm... <sighs> all I was gonna say was that uh, unfortunately she never gave me a reply. So I don't know. Maybe she's keeping them. Okay, that's all I was saying. Go for well, it. Well, this picture here is another view of a of a yeshiva, but it's in instead of individual uh, study at the table, this is a lecture. That's all. He's got him a laptop, so it was not on Shabbat. Whenever, whenever this was taken, <laughs> it was not on Shabbat. I see that. Yeah. <clears throat> well, also they got all their lights on. <laughs> Unless it's just can, holes to the outside, it could be holes. They Windows. they work around they work around that. The lights. There's a, yeah, they work around the light switch. You can you can put it on a timer, and then you're not violating the. <laughs> <if you, laughs> <laughs> you're not desecrating the Shabbat if the lights on a timer. Even though you set the thing before and you knew it was going to come on during Shabbat, that's still not desecrating the Shabbat. That seems a little. I know. <laughs> it feels a little contrived, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. All right, so that's a, it looks like a 
like a shield. It's or an art there. class. Is that what it said? No, but look at it. The, the tables are all Samson for drawing on. <laughs> so this is the thing they have, is they're really good at um, learning centers with libraries. This is the Yeshiva Torah Yer A De Ravenu. Darvenu Yoel Sa'am. That's a really, this is like a foreign word. This is Beit Vin Yamin. I think the bottom word is Samuel. No, that's an R, but not a uh, Lamed. What am I thinking? Well, it's Never a Samic Aleph Tal Satmar, like Satmar. I don't, it's a foreign name. Oh, that is. So, I thought those were both mems. My bad. Mm, that's a tall tet, tet, I mean. That's a tet. So, yeah. mem, aleph tet, mem, aleph resh. Sitmar, or something like that. The Torah Yeshiva by Yer, Yer A. Deravenu, or Divrenu, Yoel. So it's probably saying the um, the the Torah University of for instruction in in our words, and this Yoel I don't understand. That's Yoel. That's a name too. So anyway, that's my best. So I they have that. these they have these learning centers, but these learning yeah. centers would be exclusive to only Jews. Because if they don't teach the do uh, Gentile thing. Right. So here's how they work around that. And I, I wasn't going to talk about this, but the oral Torah says, oh, well, you can teach the Jews, um, the non-Jews Torah, as long as there are Jews present. What? <laughs> I can say it again. <laughs> <laughs> you may teach non-Jews. You may you're allowed to teach non-Jews as long as there are Jews present. <clears throat> that's well. If that's the case, and you are, you know, if you are a Jewish person, I'm a Jew. Then I go out. I'm always present. So around me, it can always be taught, right? Right. There are some people who who don't. That, I don't know. There must be some real strict interpretation on it because we've also heard. You never do it under any circumstances. That's what Hawk did. <laughs> Too fair, remembers Hawk. Who's that? That was somebody in a class we were in where he got angry at the rabbi for teaching because they were teaching the Torah because there were non-Jews in the class. <laughs> oh. What did the rabbi say? Yeah, what did Ellie Rock say? He, he said, said, get lost, find another class. Yeah, I think he said something like that. This is what I've decided to do or something like that. So I good believe. For him. I, yeah, good for him. That's a lot of the Torah knowledge that we have is compliments. It's really based on he, he there's a gratitude that we have. Yep. A lot yeah, of what totally. you're, yeah, it's from is um, 
can't remember the name. Roch, Rochman or something. What was Ellie Rock's last name? I forget. It was like Roque, Roque or something like that. So this guy was Eliezer Roquel, Roquel or something like that. That was his name. A lot of a lot of learning was done, you know. He he mainly stuck with the roster and just taught that. And this guy, yeah, didn't, one of the people in the class didn't like it because <laughs> there were non-Jews in there. You should we go teach the Torah to non-Jews? <laughs> How are you supposed to usher in God's law to the world to show them that this is the way if you're going to exclude everyone except your group from learning the word? That's a conundrum and a logical fallacy that apparently they have never stopped to think about. Because, yeah, because if you go back to this um, passage... And we we talked about this one, right? Give thanks to Adonai, proclaim his name, yeah. make known among the nations his works, his um, deeds. So his deeds are in this parsha. They're in this parsha bow, um, the plagues and the working with Pharaoh, and then finally getting more, ultimately getting. To the point of bringing the people out of Mitzrayim, out of Egypt. So that's his works. So that's part of what he did. So you're gonna like what? Restrain that? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. And this is talk of all his wonders. Sing to him and. Uh, Shirulo, Zamerulo, sing to him, make music to him, and talk in all of all his maravillas in Spanish, marvels. <laughs> yeah. Nifleotav. The, the, the root of this means like I'm something that's on, like in the, working in the miraculous or the powerful, right? The power, something wondrous, like a miracle. That's mm-hmm. what this word means. Nif, nifla. I think there was another verse. There's somewhere else in Psalm 62. Some, I think, that it does this. I'll check it really quick. If I can find, if it's there. I may not be remembering the right verse. So it wasn't that one. But it's similar to that Psalm 105, where it's saying to do the very opposite. <laughs> to go and right. take the tour. Then, you know, there's another verse we can use, and I...
This is it right here. This is the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> so this has to do with this topic of whether or not you ought to present, you know, and offer and teach the Torah to all the nations, right? I mean, right. So this says, and you will keep and do the them, meaning the mitzvot, because he chokmatchem. This is your chokmah. This is your yeah. <laughs> it's got the word. It translates as wisdom. Your wisdom, uvinatchem, and your understanding in the eyes of the peoples. Look at that right here. In the eyes of the peoples that will hear it. All that, all these um, statutes and say, wow, this is such a wise and understanding people. In other words, this great nation is surely a wise and understanding people. Who's going to say that? Well, all the all the other peoples of the earth. So there it is. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, the, that's what you were saying. Yeah, the, the purpose of God giving, like sanctifying this group of people yeah. is so that he can use this group of people to show the rest of the world this is the, the way, the right way to live. And, and to show the greatness of Hashem himself. It is showing the greatness, and it does bring covet and honor to Hashem. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, right? The nations which shall hear all these statutes and say, wow, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people, right? Mm -hmm. So behind that, let me see if it goes on to the next verse, for what great nation is there that Elohim has as close to them as Adonai our God is whatever we call on him right so that the whole point is that it would be a drawing to of of um towards Hashem toward the spiritualities toward the MS toward the truth and ultimately towards the Torah right that's right what the whole plan was what great nation is there? This next verse has the statutes and ordinances just as this entire Torah. It has statutes and judgments and righteous as all this Torah, which I have set you before, before you this day. You can't miss this. I don't know. I don't know how they can read this and not become affected. By it. Um, so I started listening to that Rashi podcast. Yeah. Some some time ago, before the Torah portions went, you know, reset, um, and I think I remember something like this verse being quoted, where the word nations is defined by Rashi as like the twelve tribes. But honestly, it doesn't really fit what the Torah is actually saying. So. There you go. That's a good example right there. A stellar, perfect example of what you, what happens in the oral Torah is that certain things get circumscribed or defined in a very limited, you know, specific way to change kind of the whole meaning <laughs> of what the written Torah says. 
That's totally. the kind of thing. That's what they do. They do it by 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 saying that oh no 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 not you know nations here refers to the twelve tribes. It doesn't mean all the goyim. <laughs> yeah. You know by and saying they, they did the they did the same thing in the passage about um, Ephraim being the fullness of the nations. They use yeah. that same uh, argument about the nations being the 12 tribes as opposed to the nations of the world. <laughs> that tactic came up earlier. I talked about it. Mm-hmm. I remember it was opening less part of yeah. this lesson, the mixed multitude. And, but, and by saying, well, 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 you know, mixed multitude... That refers to the, uh, you know, the rebel rousers and stuff that were in Egypt at the time. The non-Jews. That was the non-Jews who chose to go with them. Hashem tried to talk them out of it. Moshe really wanted them. <laughs> this is what they teach. Yeah. And... That's why I posed that question in the beginning. That's why it was presented. This Erevrov, this mixed multitude, who are these people? Because what they're telling are these, you know, these people, I guarantee if we would go up and we could ask them, who is the Erevrov that came up out of Egypt? They, yeah. they'll have they'll have an absolutely packaged up, very predictable answer. <laughs> hey, actually, you know, I just thought of a question. Uh, a while back, it was probably a good month and a half, two months ago, maybe longer. I was going through. Um, I was looking for an answer to some question I had, uh, but it kind of went on this bunny trail where there was this. Jewish person communicating that all the Jews in Israel are are like stealing the land of Israel because they're not actual Jews, they're Ashkenazi Jews. Right, those are the Khazars. What's Remember the we divide about? there exactly? Did we talk about the Khazars? Remember? Thought I, I thought I was. Was that today? Yeah. I may have been making coffee. <laughs> Every single time. I don't think so. Let's leave it. Thought we talked about though. Oh no! Here I am remembering another conversation. <laughs> oh good. <laughs> so no, that, was in, Hebrew, that was in the Hebrew reading team. <laughs> that was in the Hebrew reading team, and we were talking about that. What uh, what's that whole deal? I didn't understand half of what she was saying. It's um, I don't know, like a legend. It's really quite the embellished legend, and the story holds that the Jews, these people. Because most of people, most of the people who believe this would would say it's the case of these people in Israel, right? 
These are yeah. not really these are not really Jews. They are the Khazars. It's like uh, it was a people over in the area of the Ottoman Empire. Okay. All big bunch of them all converted to Judaism, or they pretended to be Jews. They didn't really convert; they just adopted the Jewish ways, and that's who all these people are. <sighs> but they pray to Hashem, right? They so like. Whether they're descended from a Jewish line or whether they've converted for all practical purposes, if they're praying to Hashem and they've, you know, that, that would indicate to me that they have gone through a conversion where they actually believe in Hashem, which I don't understand the yeah. disconnect. So to zoom out on this, it's you know I didn't know what to call it. They call it the Khazar myth. The Khazar myth it refers to this legend that the Khazarian that nation, like big sections of the Khazar, it's in that. I said it was in the Ottoman Empire. This is mm -hmm. the Caucasus Khazar area. Well, I think that's overlapping. If you want okay. to take it. So anyway, this. Um, <laughs> it's saying that these some it's like a gangster group or something, and these people wanted to take over the world, and so they had pretended to be Jews. And. Because Jews being cast out of their promised land really seemed like the candidate to uh, impose yeah. as. It turns out this this um, <laughs> this became it's called yeah this became some of the um, propaganda used by the Nazis. It's based on this that you know they talked about the mm. world Jew, the world Jewish conspiracy. Oh well, no, it's these these you know these. It's sort That's of like, like yeah. the basis of the um, uh, what was that paper called? The uh, the elders of Zion or something yes. like that. It's tied directly with that document. It is. Okay. Are you familiar with that, Carrie, at all? Mm -mm. I'll have to show it, show you some of it. Right, because that document, that document purports that there's this contingent of Jews that are trying to overtake all the people of the world. Who wrote it? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> it was used in Russia and in Germany um, to kind of give a basis for the extermination of the Jewish people. Right. 
much of the propaganda that you see against Jews even today originates from that single pamphlet. Right. So, yeah, that's called the uh, the Protocols. Yeah, of the Elders of Zion. Right. So, what this is is a um, foundational. Heaven help me. If you go back to, if you go back here, I'll put that on. This one appeared, as you said, it was sometime during the Russian uh, Revolution time. That's when it first appeared, at least. Um, and what it does is <clears throat> it portrays these ostensibly, this this secretive Khazarian phony Jews or whatever. They really want to take over the world. They're not really Jewish. They're, they're just, you know, bad people. That distinction doesn't matter because the Nazis didn't make that distinction. They didn't care. But mm -hmm. they, did, they did rely on this. They did rely quite a bit on this document. So here this, I was going to bring up this book. Mein so, Kampf. Yes, right. So <laughs> The, 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 I do know that one. Right. So Mein Kampf <laughs> has thought in it based on these protocols. It's a Jew. It's a German. You know, it's the Führer um, response to the protocols. So mm -hmm. You have to. You have to see the thread of. You have this document, which led to this document, <clears throat> which led to. You know. Uh, this story, this whole history is just like intense. Where did, where was that? <clears throat> mein Kampf. Um, um, our loans may have issues. So what oh. this does is, yeah, it's like a, um, the protocols, it's this pretty long, playbook, you know, for how the Jews are going to take over all the whole world. <clears throat> yeah. See, our race will rule undisputed over the world. The Jews. Mm -hmm. and a portion of that is based on the, the theory of the Khazar. And it's like a criminal contingent of the Khazars became or pretended to be Jews and they're really taking over their ideas to mm -hmm. take over the world. So we Germans getting back to Mein Kampf, we're going to have to take, you know, executive action against these, these Jews, which that's how he sold the idea. And along with the propaganda, right? <laughs> it's really just mind blowing history, really. See, it says uh, several passages in Mein Kampf are genocidal, and that's because it was based on the notion that, or the ideas that, well, the Jews have this playbook that they're following to take over the world, and they're, they're in our country, we've got to do something about them. <laughs> I don't know how far to take this topic, but... <laughs> This is what really did happen in Germany. Yeah. It was based on this protocols. So the protocols take some time to read. It's very technical, like um, 
Also appears to be in Russian, according to that picture there. The original co- <laughs> the original ones were in Russian. Yeah. So what they're saying is, by using these methods, we will uh, end up in control of the whole world. And they're talking about their plans on ostensibly how they're going to do it. Right, lies, and might. Yeah, see all this stuff here, criminal education, we're going to take over politics, um, we're going to take over, we're going to redefine liberty, blah, 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 blah. Well, quite a bit of thought was put into it, whoever wrote it. <clears throat> yeah, I, I feel like it's demonic in nature. Jewish people are arrogant and corrupt. Right here, see that? Jewish people are arrogant mm-hmm. and corrupt. They're chosen, and they're going to be cold and heartless and make slaves of their goyim. <laughs> That's what yeah. this, this document is awful. It is demonic. It is demonic. Uh, demonically inspired might be a better way to say it, but yeah. So behind this was this other hypothesis of the Khazarium. So that was your original question. The original question was, there's some, what you call it, the Khazars or something? There's some... Oh, the Askenazi. Yeah, supposedly the Askenazi are really just Khazars. Hmm. <laughs> that put together this protocol and cloaked themselves in Judaic garb. Yes, all true. In yeah, order all... to fulfill the protocols. Right. How intriguing. That thinking was gaining a lot of following in the early part of the 20th century. It was in Europe, especially in Luther, Martin Luther influenced areas. (laughs) Well, that's no surprise there. Right. So, I mean, Martin Luther basically paved the way for the document to be accepted. That's that's correct. And we talked about that. Yeah. It's a supporting document. Um, the Jews and their lies, this one. See that? It's this one. We even talked about this one, too. We talked about this. I think I have seen that before. Yes. Yes, by Martin Luther. That's right. I've seen that. Or read of it, anyways. Let's see. Luther's attitude took... Uh, Luther's attitude toward Jews took, a different, took different forms during his lifetime. In his early period until 1537, or not much earlier, he wanted to convert Jews to Lutheranism. In his later period, when he wrote on Jews and their lives, he denounced them and urged their persecution. In the treatise, he argues that Jewish synagogues and schools should be set on fire, their prayer books destroyed, Rabbis forbidden to preach, homes burned, and property and money confiscated. 
real Christian of him, wasn't it? Well, yeah, that's that's really if what I would like is evangelical Christians who like to preach about you know Luther and Protestant and all that. This is your founder. So you need you need to think about the way you're on. <laughs> yeah. And find a better way. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I write in the paper that I'm still in the process of trying to finish. That, uh, you know, the, the entire reason church has the form that it does instead of something more biblically looking is due to a hatred for, for the Jews. And... Um, I I don't think people realize just how true a statement that is. But you can see it in everyone that's ever turned the direction of the church in any way. You know, Constantine and Luther, um, anyone who's made a difference in the way the church atmosphere appears or exists they seem to continue this divide out of a hatred for Jews. And they also happen to have a hatred for Judy, Jews and Judaism. Right. Where that hatred emanates from and where it actually is based on is that Khazar, this this legend that a criminal, like a, what, what's the word? Um, I almost thought of the word. It's a syndicate you know like a big crime to syndicate uh, from the ottoman empire and the khazarians they all conspire together to become they're gonna pretend to be jews and they're gonna have this big plan in writing and all in place to take over the entire world that's <laughs> you heard it correct that is what these people believe and i know people who believe this it's like you gotta be modern kidding day me. people like today yeah. yeah you know someone like that carrie i do yeah, he helped us with the foundation at uh, the Buckner House. Tony Banks. Are you serious? I know, but he wasn't. <laughs> he, he's a nice guy when you first get to know him. But after a period of time, he starts talking about how evil Jews are. Right. How weird. So you have this weird... It is really weird. And it's it's the reason I avoided talking about this. Up until now, I mean, it's okay, but here we are. Here we are. So you have Mein Kampf, <laughs> right? Mein Kampf, which is the battle plan or whatever. It's the playbook for the Nazis. This, and it says right here that during the Second World War period, copies of this book, meaning the Jews and their lives, Martin Luther, copies of this book. Where was that? We're commonly seen at Nazi rallies. Yep. The prevailing scholarly consensus is that it may have had a significant impact on justifying the Holocaust. Duh. Yep. Written by Luther. Written by Luther, and this is something that I would prefer. I'd like our, you know, people, the church people who like to preach about, you know, the, it's a Protestant way of thinking, you know, to understand this and be aware of it. 
that you don't. Anyway, I already said it. It's just some it's some truth about Luther that they should know. Yeah, for real. Anyway, that's the Khazar hypothesis of Ashkenazi, allegedly. And that, according to that, people who believe that, again, our uh, friends here, these are really conspiring, you know, people who want to dominate the whole world. <laughs> They're really Khazarian. They're not really. Jewish. Well, you know, every, every half-truth or every lie contains a kernel of reality in it, right? Yeah. There is this theme in scripture where during the time of Mashiach's thousand-year reign, he will rule the whole world. So I see. Yeah, okay. If you look at this from like a spiritual perspective, it's almost as if the dark forces are trying to rally humanity against that coming time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. It has a has a deformed, you know, understanding of that. Mm-hmm. Um, officially. Not only could I say that I don't accept that at all, and there, there's very, there's absolutely no evidence that all these Ashkenazi people, like you said earlier, and people are going to learn Torah and to make prayer at the wall, you know, in Jerusalem. These people are not, they're not motivated the way you're saying. It doesn't fit. Well, I'm not suggesting that they are, mo like, I'm not suggesting Jews are going to attempt to take over the world. No, of course I am not. I'm suggesting that Israel will be the point at which the whole world in the future is ruled by. I does say that. You're right. Yeah, I was talking about your comment earlier. Not this. Oh, one. I see. The comment yeah. earlier was that this was barbaric nonsense to say that Jews, you know, were some evil. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it, it is ridiculous. <laughs> right, it's, it is untenable and absolutely ridiculous, and yet, um, let me think, how many people are so willing to believe it? T-Fair can re help me remember, who who besides that weird woman was into this? Can we think of anybody else? That weird woman. Yeah. <laughs> Right, the guy ah, in Canada. Yes. Right, the guy in Canada. He was probably believing this. It's weird how ideas from hundreds of years ago still affect our everyday lives today. Yeah, and like the webbot, he's been reading this. So I think that's enough for talking about that. Sure. And that, well, just to tell, let T. Farron know, I'm not. I'm not. We don't need to think of anybody else. Oh, I see. It's. And I couldn't Look reason your, with the person. I mean, couldn't. Yeah, well, I feel like you're not going to. There's there's no way to reach someone who. There, there's not really. They're not really reasoned into that position. And so if, if they're already within a position that they've never reasoned into, you're not going to be able to reason them out of it. You know what I mean? 
Yes, I understand if they already, if my mind's made up, your mind's made up, don't confuse me with the facts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My, my mind's made up, don't confuse me with facts, right? That, that <laughs> mm. Let me see what this says. Given that the Khazars moved in and settled in Eastern Europe, anti-Semites pushed the conspiracy that Ashkenazi Jews or Europe, Eastern Europe Jews are not real Jews. And they're working to infiltrate other nations in their quest for world domination. That's what we've been talking about. That is crazy. The Khazar trope is also used to undermine the Jewish connection to Israel and therefore Israel's right to exist because it says that Jews originated from the northern Caucasus region and were part of the Ottoman Empire right here. See that? I call it Ottoman, but it's the same, it's at the same area. Yeah, not, it is. Not from the land of Israel. Okay, that's officially enough for this lesson unless you want to come back to it. <laughs> We have a way of circling back to things unintentionally. So it's okay. Yeah, it was not. It was an unintentional sin. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. That's not. I don't really mean that serious. Right. Should we look at the doc, the document, or want to take a break oh. or what? Um, I don't know, Carrie. How do you feel about it? Uh, if you want to look at that, then I'll probably take a break. Yeah, okay, you can. How about we? Uh, I was Let's gonna think. suggest maybe we break for maybe 20 minutes or so and then come back. Is that click? Cool? I gotta use a restroom and stuff. Yeah, take a right, take a yeah. All right, the I would like to do Did it. Did you see as, my comment there? Yeah, let, let's just cover that part only and then and then we will take a break. So, um, if you if you need to get up now, that's fine. I'll probably do the same thing. But this paragraph, I don't really, I, 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 I like this paragraph. It may not be the right document for this paragraph, but this paragraph is huge. I, that's, this is one, it's all my words, it, everything in it. And this is kind of mm -hmm. like me telling it. So I wanted to read this paragraph and then talk, we can talk about your comments. All right, cool. Let's do that in, let's see, right now it's 318, so 340. Okay. 345. All right, 345. We'll, we'll end the call now.